Welcome to The Mushroom's Apprentice. I'm your host, Shona Holm. For this episode, I want to talk about the bad mushroom trip. There are things we can do to create a safe container for ourselves before we go in. And I'm going to start with that. But in spite of all our best efforts, challenging journeys happen. And sometimes they can be an absolute living hell. Now, Everything is an opportunity to learn. And so, of course, we can look at a bad trip as a powerful teaching, and that doesn't diminish the experience. Now, people who have mental illness should avoid psychedelics altogether. And I'm sure there are people who think psychedelics could help them, but I am not going to encourage that. Mushrooms are getting a lot of good press these days. And we know that a mushroom journey has the potential to be absolutely life-changing. And that said, mushrooms are not for everyone. They're being touted as kind of magic pill, but there is no magic pill. Mushrooms are not one size fits all, and they are not something that can be standardized and made to be predictable. In fact, it's their very unpredictability that cautions us to treat them with respect and make sure that we create a safe container for ourselves though, so that we can enter those realms and have an experience that will hopefully provide something of value for us. There is a lot of talk about how a quote-unquote bad trip can be a big teaching and sometimes more instructive and activating even than a, a quote-unquote good journey. And that is true, of course, because many events in life can serve as good teachings for us. And there are people who have gotten themselves into a terrible psychedelic experience. And some people sustain long lasting mental and emotional damage from that. So as healing and positively life-changing as a psychedelic journey can be, it can also be downright dangerous for some people. And that fact cannot be ignored. I personally would discourage someone with mental illness from engaging a psychedelic unless they were with a professional who specialized in both psychedelic work and mental illness. Also, people with extreme anxiety need to be very careful with these substances because, again, you can't control the actual journey. And a particularly scary journey could make that condition even worse. And this is why it's so very important to choose a practitioner, if you're going to work with a, a practitioner, with great care, because the wrong practitioner can make for a potentially damaging experience. We have no touchstone for these experiences in our commercial culture, which means that if someone has a bad trip, it can be very isolating because it's often very hard to find someone to talk to who can understand and, and really effectively assist with what happened. So for this first hour, I'm going to begin with suggestions for keeping yourself as safe as possible while in the mushroom realms so that even if the journey goes sideways, you will be safe and you'll be in good hands. I'm also going to share a few stories of bad trips that I helped clients to interpret and process with the hope that it helps you to go deeper in your own understanding of reading more thoroughly 
into the symbolic nature of a mushroom journey, whether it's a good journey or a highly challenging experience. So let's start with some suggestions that will keep you safe no matter what happens. So number one, don't take mushrooms if you're feeling off that day. And don't take them if you're feeling sick. The mushrooms do a number on your nervous system. So if you're under the weather, chances are you'll deplete yourself even more so with a mushroom journey. So just really trust your gut on this and wait till you're feeling mentally, emotionally, physically ready. Number two, make an appointment in advance, if you can, for a day or two after the journey with someone who is familiar with that medicine be it mushroom or something else, and, and the workings of the psyche. So someone who can help you to process the experience, whatever happened. And that way, if you have an especially challenging journey, you'll know that you're going to have help very soon after to, with someone who can help you make sense of it. Number three, create a safe and comfortable container for your journey whether it's indoors or outside in nature, and make sure you have everything you need to be comfortable. So pillows, blankets, water, an eye mask if you want to block out any light, a journal or recorder if you want to document certain things. You probably want to be near a bathroom. <laughs> Maybe you want some objects of beauty and or deep meaning around you that will act as a kind of touchstone for you. And you want to make sure you have nothing on your schedule for the rest of that day and the following day if possible. And that way you can recover and integrate the experience. Number four, don't do the mushrooms in a public space. You want to be in a safe space. And I realize that there are people who enjoy taking mushrooms at concerts or festivals or parties but I'll tell you that in my retreat work that I've done these past eight years, I have heard so many firsthand stories from clients of very bad trips that they endured while out in a public place. And a couple of those people were picked up by the cops and put into a sanitarium. And that was absolutely traumatizing. So you definitely want to think hard about doing psychedelics in a public setting. Number five, have a trustworthy and capable guide or friend nearby so that you have a protective and responsible presence, and that enables you to relax and let go and experience your journey. I read some time ago that in 98% of all bad trips, the person who suffered was alone. So a good guide can talk you off the cliff if you get into a bind in the mushroom realms. If you're all alone and things go sideways, it can be often impossible to steer yourself out of that, especially if you've taken a large dose and that will take you even deeper into the experience. So make sure that the person who sits for you is responsible and capable and also, oh, by the way, mature, right? You want someone who can handle something very challenging that might come up. And, and, and that way, you know, you're in good hands no matter what. Okay, next, keep electronics out of the room. So don't have the TV on or your phone or your laptop. You don't want to be looking into a screen when you're in those realms. TV, computer, cell phone screens, they're portals 
So when you're in that open state, your natural guard is down and you're very vulnerable to the influences flowing through that portal. So keep your environment as natural as possible. I'll just share a quick story with you. I had a client tell me she did mushrooms for the first time with her boyfriend and they were outside for part of it. Then they went inside and he decided to turn on the TV and they watched that movie Avatar. And then her boyfriend left the room and an ad came on Netflix for some documentary or something on Jeffrey Dahmer, who was a psychopath murderer. And that flipped her out. And she began screaming and she was in just a state of terror. And thank goodness, boyfriend came down and really comforted her. And she said, you know, I so appreciate the need for to not do it alone, to have someone with you. And then, of course, we talked about not having electronics anywhere nearby because stuff like that happens and you're in such a, a, a vulnerable and very, very open state and you're not going to have the same response to something like that compared to when you are in your right mind, shall we say. Okay, next is have some food put aside for yourself for after the journey. So maybe nourishing soup or other foods that will help you start to get really grounded again, because good nourishing foods are very grounding, especially when we are, are returning from, from a journey of this nature. The mushroom can be also uh, very dehydrating. So make sure you have a good quart or more of water to drink during the journey as you are able. And next, have a touchstone with you, like a photo or statue or feathers or stones. I mentioned this earlier. Whatever you cherish that you know, that if it's near, it'll give you a modicum of comfort and maybe keep you grounded while you are journeying. Next is measure the dose. Terrence McKenna said this all the time. You can always add more if you want to go deeper, but it's just really, really good to know exactly the dose you're taking because so many people have done this and ended up taking way more than they intended. They just kind of eyeballed it. And so, no, you want to have a little gram scale and uh, just make sure you know how much you're taking. Next is know the source of the mushrooms and the variety because some varieties are stronger than others and that will determine the dose. And that said, batches of mushrooms can vary. So sometimes that same variety produces a, a particularly strong batch and sometimes not so strong, but just good to know the variety. And it's also important to know where the mushrooms come from, whether they were sourced from outside in the wild or grown by someone indoors. It's just a very good rule of thumb to always know your source. All right, and, and next is open, consider opening the experience with a ritual to set the tone and, and, and that will charge the space with good energy. I like to do an invocation before I go into the mushroom realms. And, and so I speak in, into the room itself and, and, and your voice is vibratory. And so you can alter the feel of a room, of course, by the words you say in that room. So it's a way of charging 
the room with my intention and the power of my voice. And of course, ritual is so powerful. It is telling the deep psyche, essentially, that we're leaving the mundane and we're entering into a heightened experience. And so you can call in protection to that space as well in whatever way feels right. And also call in helping spirits. And when you're doing that, you are also informing the deep psyche that it's going to be protected. So those are just a few uh, suggestions for really kind of setting the tone, creating uh, a safe journey for yourself. And if anyone has any other suggestions, please put them in the comments below. I just, I think this is such an important subject. So I wanna talk about practitioners and mushroom circles. There are a number of people out there now who are hosting mushroom circles with small to large groups of participants. And they will pay for usually an overnight setup where they'll be staying in a private home or a retreat space. So if a bad trip happens in a mushroom circle with other participants around you, you wanna make darn sure you're in good hands. And of course, you also don't want to experience a bad trip because of a poorly facilitated circle. Personally, I'm not a fan of mushroom circles, but that said, I know people who participated in them and they've had great experiences. And I've had a number of clients share firsthand accounts of appalling experiences in mushroom circles and other medicine circles with practitioners who did a very poor job overseeing the participants. And some of them did great harm to those participants. And really like any profession out there, whether it's law or education or dentistry, you have people of integrity and skill who do a superb job. And you have people with no integrity and zero skill who cause harm to their clients or patients. And of course, you also have people who are well-intentioned and they make mistakes. And we all make mistakes and those mistakes can provide the most effective teachings of all. So that could be a good question to ask a prospective facilitator. Have you made mistakes in your facilitation practice? And if so, what happened? And hopefully that person has the humility and the honesty to candidly share what happened and how they learned from it. Now, obviously, psilocybin isn't legal, so you can't go on Yelp and read reviews for that practitioner. So you'll need to be proactive in making darn sure you're putting yourself in responsible and capable hands. So I have a list of questions to ask that practitioner when you're thinking of joining their mushroom circle. Make sure when you talk with that practitioner that it's done through video so you can see their face. You want to get a good feel for who this person is. And if you hear of them through the grapevine, which is usually the case, make sure the source of that information is someone you respect for their good judgment. I've heard some very shocking stories of things that have happened at mushroom circles and also with practitioners working with a single individual. And that, by the way, includes practitioners who are licensed therapists and MDs. So just because that person has initials after their name, it does not guarantee they will act responsibly and respectfully. You must remember you are putting yourself in their hands to where you will be in a very vulnerable state. 
And ultimately, you're responsible for yourself. So that means you must do your due diligence and seek out the right person. And if it takes a while to find that person, that's okay. Use the power of prayer and ask spirit to guide you to someone who is both responsible and capable. So here are the questions I have. And uh, again, I invite people to please share more good questions in the comments below if you've got any. So the first one is to ask what training or hands-on experience does that practitioner have in facilitating mushroom journeys? And just be mindful also that psychedelic practitioner training has become really big. And it's a big moneymaker for certain organizations and individuals. So you might want to ask what their training involved and what their and was their hands-on training or or was it all done online and also were they screened before they could join that particular training this may seem like minutia but you can learn by asking questions <laughs> and hopefully the answers you get will help you get a better read on that person next question is how many years experience does that practitioner have as a facilitator next question do they have experience caring for folks on bad trips that's really important and then i would ask how do they handle someone having a bad trip i had a retreat client tell me of two practitioners who hosted a mushroom circle and one of the participants went into a very dark space. And these practitioners took that person into the bathroom away from the group. And for some bizarre reason, were telling them, no one is going to save you. <laughs> Which, of course, exacerbated that person's fear and anxiety and the sense that they were beyond all hope. Also, in that particular circle, someone left the house entirely. They just they just left. And they were actually brought back by a passerby on the street who very kindly helped them back to the house. So you really want to get an understanding of how that practitioner handles someone having a bad trip because they don't know what they're doing. That can be potentially traumatizing and have long-lasting psychological effects. Next, what is their policy on touching clients during their journey? And then I would ask, how do they define touch? Because what some people consider acceptable touch could feel incredibly violating or even traumatizing for someone who has a background of sexual abuse or simply is more comfortable with no touch at all. So that is very, very important. What is their policy on how they communicate with the participant while they are journeying? I don't necessarily want someone interrupting my journey, constantly asking me how I'm doing. Do I need water? With a practitioner, you want someone with a good, shall we say, bedside manner in, in that someone who's sensitive and can kind of read you and, and is very careful and gentle in their communication with the person who is on a psychedelic. Next is, are there boundaries in place for leaving the journey space? So I just told you that those other two participants did not, it didn't seem like there was really anything in place for that. And so you want to make darn sure 
that people are safely contained in whatever that space is is going to look like. I had another uh, story I was told of a practitioner and it was just one person. They had six people journeying. Well, one ended up climbing a tree quite high up, by the way, and another one wandered off. So, <laughs> you know, this is it's a, an important subject to be discussing because there's a lot of responsibility involved for someone to host something like this. And there's also a great deal of personal responsibility we need to take to make darn sure that we're going to be absolutely safe in this experience. Next is if they have to intervene on a client's journey, how do they do that? Now, especially when you've got a circle of people, some people get really loud and, and disruptive. And, and so how does that look? What, 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 is, what is kind of their, their process on, on intervention when it has to happen? And so how is that managed? The next question, this is very important, is do they take any medicine? Do they take any mushrooms? And if so, do other practitioners take mushrooms as well in that circle? You want at least one sober person. One of my clients told me about a practitioner who hosted a mushroom circle, and that person took three grams for themselves and then went into a very, and three grams, that's a lot of mushrooms. They went into a very bad trip. And a few of the participants ended up taking care of that person to the best of their ability for the duration of that night. If a participant has had a bad trip, that practitioner must be on their game really to handle any situation that might come up. And I know that there are people who believe that if they take a little mushroom, they will be that much more connected to their client. And that may be so. And someone needs to be fully sober and present to the event. And, and again, I will add that there are certain containers that are held. And I know a few containers who do this and and it is away, just away from everything. It's deeply shamanic. And that practitioner goes deep into the mushroom realms, as does their participant. And it's very profound. And this is someone who's highly, highly trained to do that. And, and this is just my opinion, but I do think just it, for a matter of safety, just in these sort of general mushroom circles, I think it is absolutely essential that at, there is at least one sober facilitator there because things come up and you need to be on your toes. All right. The next question is how many participants are in the circle? I've, I've had a couple of clients tell me about being in a circle of 40 participants. Now, I'm not talking about ayahuasca. I'm not discussing that. That's I'm talking about mushrooms and other uh, substances that are being given to participants in these in these circles. Ayahuasca is done with a group, and again, of course, hopefully you're with a capable shaman and other. Usually, there are other helpers there as well, and that's how that happens. But I'm speaking to these just mushroom circles, they're cropping up everywhere. So you really want to know how many people are going to be in that circle. And then the next question is, what is the ratio then of practitioners to participants? Because one person to six people is 
not enough my goodness in my in my opinion next question what is the experience level of those other practitioners and what's the age range do you really want a 22 year old tending you if you go into a deep psychological process on the mushroom just there's just a lot to think about here and and it's so easy to get really excited you know you've been wanting to have this experience and you hear about this person who hosts these circles and got the night free and everything else and you're just in and we need to really take our time with this and and so i'm hearing firsthand experiences from people and and some of them are just jaw dropping so we really want to be careful so the next question is are participants told what they'll be ingesting there are circles out there that are doling out combinations of mushrooms and other ingredients. And I can't tell you how many times I've asked clients, okay, well, so what would you take? And they knew mushrooms were in the mix, but they didn't know what the other ingredients were. Well, be very careful with that because I have spoken to someone else who's been sort of monitoring all of this and has done testing and a couple of tests came back with barbiturates in that mix, which was very interesting because that also was in, in full alignment with a couple of stories that clients had told me about what had happened to them on that particular brew. People have sort of proprietary uh, recipe of whatever they're, they're putting out there. But again, you know, when it comes to a psychedelic substance, I think People really need to know what they're going to be ingesting. Uh, so really, you're giving your body and your psyche over to people who you don't know necessarily. And so you need to know what they're administering. And now, if there is more, more than one ingredient in the offering, um, do they disclose the full list of ingredients? Because I've also heard, well, it's this and this, and then, you know, a host of other herbs and whatever. And I'd be like, okay, what are they? What are they? Just let me know. Uh, next is our participants told the dose that they will receive. And again, I sort of asked clients, like, what was, how much did they give you? And they have no idea. And it's really good to know how much you took and of what. Just, just always a good thing. All right. Now, how is the dose determined? Because every body is different and every psyche is different. And there are people who are very sensitive to drugs and they need only a little bit. And then others have a very high tolerance and they require more. Again, this is kind of the issue I have with circles because it's, you know, you're you're working with a lot of people. It's it's hard to sort of be that individualized. But but again, these are questions I think really need to be asked. So I would wonder, does the practitioner ask those kind of questions to their potential clients. Do they ask you, hey, are you really sensitive when you take anything? What's up with your body there? Also ask, do they muscle test? Because muscle testing can be very helpful in determining what is going to work for the body. So if I was going to participate personally, I would want to hear the answers, the answers to those questions. Now also, you want to know, uh, well, obviously, they're going to tell you, where, where does the experience take place? And also, what does that container look like? What does that space look like? And, and then do they use music 
or does the journey take place in silence? I, I know that music is very popular and there are folks out there who are sharing and selling music lists to journey to. And a journey in silence is a very powerful thing. So that would be good to know. I had a client tell me that they participated in a mushroom circle in Mexico, I think. And the practitioner was young, like late 20s or so. And just as people were coming out of this experience, the person put on house music, like really loud, thump, 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 like dancing house music, which my client said was really jarring as they were coming out of the, the experience. So like, kind of things like that, just really kind of, you know, you want to know what's the repertoire? How, you know, how does this go? And then in terms of that space itself, is it well-maintained? Because I had another client tell me about a journey space that they were at that was kind of dirty. And that included the bathrooms. So wherever the journey takes place, my God, the practitioners need to make sure that that space is not just comfortable, but clean and pleasing to the eye. Next question, what is their policy with people who are on SSRIs? Because that's not a good thing to mix with mushrooms or other psychedelics. And, and then you're going to find out how, you know, how do they screen their participants? Like, is there an intake form? How, how does that, how does that work? Obviously you're already, you're being interviewed probably. And remember you're interviewing them as well. Remember that there's plenty of people out there who are, who are offering these circles. So if you don't have a good sense for that person, or if they don't want you to be be in their circle. Okay, there's there are other opportunities here. Uh, you could also ask, do they offer follow-up sessions for integration and what does that look like? And I know some of these overnight circles, then they'll do like an integration circle the next day. And, and so, you know, just good to know. And another question is, do they have a plan if an emergency occurs? And, and again, just take your time finding a practitioner. Word of mouth is a powerful thing. And like I said, if you don't feel connection when you meet that practitioner, don't work with them. And if you feel something is off about them, trust yourself on that and move on. These people are not gurus. They're, they're people are people. So just know it's how you feel about this person is really, really, really important. Just trust your judgment, trust your gut. Now, Bad trips, as I said, can be some of the most powerful teachings we can ever experience. And certainly for those who are on a shamanic or medicine path, bad trips are an unavoidable part of the territory and they can result in profound growth. And shamanically, it's understood that one can enter these realms and be absolutely eviscerated by the experience. But someone on that path has tools to move through and beyond that. They have been training and they likely have a teacher who you know, they're working with who can assist them. For the average person, a bad trip can be absolutely shattering and even damaging for some people. And if one is not ready for such an assault, it can take a very long time to recover, which is why the mushroom is not a magic pill. It's just, it's not, and it's not for everyone. And we must exercise 
common sense and how we engage it. Now, if you find yourself experiencing a challenging journey, and of course, there are infinite possibilities of what that can look like, and there's no standard technique to get you out of it, but there are things you can try if you have your wits about you. And of course, often we are so deep in the mushroom realms that we don't have our wits about us and we have no choice but to endure the experience until it's over. But if you do, and if you have someone sitting for you and you're able to communicate, you can let them know you're in a bad place. And hopefully you will have someone with you who will be a calm presence, who can then ask you questions about what's going on and help you to navigate through that experience with assurance and with a calm and caring manner. And I would say to anyone sitting for someone who is having a bad trip, do not leave them alone. And if they can communicate, be assuring to them that the experience will be over soon. I don't care if they have four hours left. <laughs> you might have to say that more than a few times because when someone is in a bad way on the mushroom, it feels like it will never end. And it can be so damn scary or, or so incredibly desolate and depressing. And so assurance is huge. Do not underestimate how important it is to have a capable person around while you're journeying. Oh my goodness. Now, another suggestion is if you're inside to go outside and, and have contact with the ground or a tree or a garden, or if that's not possible, then go into a different room. But please make sure that that room is clean and pleasing to the eye and you don't have people in there watching television. And, you know, like you really, you want to make sure it's not just the one room, but the space is set to go for you. I, I did this for myself years ago. I got into a very scary place on the mushroom and I took myself out in nature. And for me, that was incredibly grounding and reassuring for me. It gave me something to connect to that I hold dear, and that is nature, especially the trees. So that can be a great help. But obviously, only if you have privacy from prying eyes outside and that outdoor area is safe. Now, another suggestion is to try requesting that the mushroom spirits take you to a different place. And you can use the power of your will, if possible, to envision something pleasant and endeavor to get yourself there. You can even tell yourself a story while you're in that dark place so that you're essentially now narrating the experience and taking command of it. Now, again, not always possible, but if you have your wits about you to do this, then you can certainly try to do this, you know, where you're essentially changing the story and you're talking your way out of it. There is a reason why, by the way, people work with uh, spirit allies, especially, of course, shamans, medicine folk. So I suggest before going in that you call in a specific spirit ally that you feel a connection with, and maybe you have an image of this being nearby. Because again, when you're experiencing difficulty on the mushroom, you can call to that being for help. And then hopefully in that experience, it, it will help you in some way, either through reassuring words that come to you or just a, maybe a sense of, of peace or calm. 
or you actually, you know, see it clairvoyantly, who knows, but don't underestimate the power of a spiritual connection. My goodness, it's very, very helpful. Another thing that you can try, and Terrence McKenna spoke of this, is to sing. <laughs> and, and that can be an assist to take you out of the experience. And again, it's not going to work every single time, but something like that also is just, it's so, it's just so out of the experience ent entirely. And it can really uh, divert your mind uh, away, away, and then hopefully to into a different uh, mindset. Now, again, there are infinite possibilities of how a bad trip can look. And often there is no moving beyond the experience until the journey is over. And then you're going to want to have someone help you pick up the pieces and make sense of what happened. So I'm just going to share a few stories with you of bad trips that I helped people to interpret and integrate in the spirit of sharing helpful ways in which to make sense of these experiences that can be highly bizarre and frightening. And there are many different scenarios. So at the end of the day, it really helps to discuss this with someone who can kind of see past the surface story of it and into the deeper layers of what happened. And of course, sometimes one has a bad mushroom experience and the message is glaringly obvious and, and the message is, hey, you just need to be more responsible when you're embarking on a mushroom journey. Like what you did was really stupid, right? So sometimes that happens. Now I look at the journey symbolically because nature and the deep psyche speak in symbolic language. So a dream, for instance, is the psyche speaking in symbol. And I learned a lot about dream interpretation, much of it being through intuition from working with my late teacher, Dr. Brew Joy. Brew has said there's no like recipe on symbols. In other words, symbolically, it, it can be different. The same symbol can be very different from person to person, but it does help to have a good base knowledge of mythology of alchemy, which is highly symbolic, just to kind of understand because a mushroom journey is a very, it's an inner alchemy and there's a lot that is going on symbolically. So that can certainly help you when you get down to the business of trying to figure out just, just what, the, what the hell that journey was saying. So I'm going to start with an example that really personifies the power of understanding the deeper layers of the psyche and its language. I had someone contact me this was a number of years ago and he had decided he was going to do a journey of five grams of mushrooms one night and he had an absolutely horrendous experience where he was in it was like a stone prison and for the duration of the journey he could not get out of that enclosure that container and it was like the walls were you know coming in closer and he was just feeling absolutely desolate and he had his wife take kind of take care of him and uh and he 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 told me that he was begging her to like call the ambulance or whatever but he said fortunately she'd taken a course on like sitting for people 
uh, on on a psychedelic journey. And so that was one of the things they're saying, like, if someone's asking you to do that, ah, don't do it. You want to have a bad journey? Sure. Just call the police or call an ambulance. And uh, obviously there are times maybe someone gets absolutely psychotic. That's a different thing. But I'm just talking about someone having just a really, really bad trip. And uh, no, she spent the time comforting him through the night. And then he got out of this journey. And the next day was just rattled, deeply rattled, and actually worrying for his sanity. And he spoke to a couple of friends. And this is pretty typical where they were like, hey, this stuff happens and you'll shake it off. It's just, yeah, it sucks. Too bad. You know, that kind of thing. And so he contacted me in kind of a panic. And so we talked that evening. And so he's describing this journey to me. Now, again, there is sort of the surface story. And so he's in a kind of prison, stone walls. He cannot, and the walls are coming in on him. He cannot get out. There is no escape. And so I'm thinking about this symbolically with also the understanding that, as I said, dreams are symbolic and they're also very indicative can be of what's going on in one's life and in a dream and a mushroom journey often as well is where the deep psyche is speaking <laughs> and, and it's speaking in this language that uh, you need to, to decipher. And so I just thought about essentially being trapped in a kind of prison and I asked him, where in your life do you feel trapped? And he kind of sat back and he said, everywhere, everywhere. Well, it turned out that he had a tremendous amount of financial pressure on him with business, also had and uh, a brand new baby. And so his wife wasn't working at the time and, and a mortgage to pay. And just the walls were of his life were closing in and he absolutely felt utterly trapped. And so with that understanding, I said to him, look, for you, there was going to be no sort of frolicking in the fields with the, with the elves that night. That mushroom symbolically was showing you where you're at. It was reflecting to you where your, your head is at, right? And so that helped him tremendously and created a dramatic shift in his perception because then of course he understood, no, I'm not going crazy. Actually, this was a, a very potent and important message. And then of course, I'm working with him and we got into the deeper layers of, okay, so what are you doing sort of expanding a business when, you know, maybe that might not be such a good idea and you're sort of taking risks that maybe you don't need to take. And then why, what is it in you that even causes you to do that? Right. So we're getting into the, the deeper inner workings of the psyche and kind of what's driving one to sort of make these decisions in one's life that, that uh, have, pretty deleterious consequences. So it was so incredibly powerful. And, and so all of that coming through, and I will tell you, this person made huge changes after that, huge changes in their life. And 
they are doing incredibly well now as a result. So I'm just want to make it very clear how important it is to talk this over with either a good friend who's pretty savvy at sort of understanding deeper layers or or a good therapist who also understands psychedelics and can really help you or practitioner, whoever, right? But it makes all the difference. Otherwise, often one is just kind of forever haunted by a journey that can, a bad trip that can do a lot of damage on one's psyche. Now, I had another person come to me for help after a bad trip. And this person grew up in a very abusive home and they had a lot of chaos happening in their current life. This person's in their forties. And so they decided they were going to do a mushroom journey on their own, hoping to get some insight on how to change their current life. Well, the mushroom took them back to the abuse and they went deep into the trauma and the horror of that. And they were not prepared. They were not expecting that. The journey was absolutely horrible. And there was no reprieve until it was finally over. Well, again, they were all alone. And they spent five hours curled up in a ball under a blanket, sobbing and crying out for help that never came. Needless to say, when that was over, this person was extremely depressed and traumatized and felt utterly hopeless. And they told me they felt like the mushroom had betrayed them. Now, I've been saying how the mushroom's getting all this good press and it's being marketed as this magic pill. And there are lots of people who are going to take it on their own, expecting a spiritual awakening or a big aha or relief from their depression, whatever it is. But the mushroom can take us to places that we fear to go. And it can take us to where we pray we never, ever have to go for any reason. So when I met with this person, they were distraught and also angry that they didn't get any insight into their current life situation. And they felt they'd set themselves even further back than they already were. So I have noticed that the mushroom will reflect either physical imbalances that we have in our body by having us experience pain in that area, for instance. And sometimes that sort of goes throughout the entire journey. And of course, it will also reflect unresolved trauma that we have within our psyche. Now, I see that as the mushroom telling us this trauma is unresolved within you and it must be addressed now. There's no running away from it and we're not going anywhere else this evening. So hopefully that will lead that person to either begin even deeper work around that trauma, or if they haven't done any work around it, it will lead them to now seek out a good healer or therapist. So when I worked with this person, I explained something first that I tell my clients, and that is we die many times over the course of a single lifetime. The macrocosm would be the reincarnational cycle, but in a single lifetime, we die many times because as we mature, our personality shifts and changes. So those fully formed personalities that we were when we were 5, 8, 13, 25, they don't die away forevermore. They recede into the deep psyche. So if we've had challenging experiences that were never resolved, that 5 or 10-year-old or whatever the age 
remains in that mind state within the psyche. So that younger personality is very much active within us. And that mind state becomes a pattern that repeats itself throughout our life with similar dynamics. And if you don't begin to heal that original damaged part of your psyche, you'll continue to repeat the pattern. Well, this person was repeating a pattern of chaos that originated in childhood. And within this person's psyche was a traumatized six-year-old. And it was clear that it was time to begin the work of helping that part to heal. The key is to connect to that injured part and work with it. And that plays a very large part in the therapeutic sessions that I and other practitioners do. I will, I like to do a soul retrieval for the part or parts that were damaged. A soul retrieval is where we access the part of the psyche slash soul. Psyche actually means soul that retreated when the trauma happened. So we bring it back into conscious awareness that the person can now begin working with it to help it to heal and to trust again. And there's a book you can read by Sandra Ingerman. It's called Soul Retrieval. And it gives an excellent overview of what that is and how to do it. And I do a version of that. I don't do it exactly the way she does it, just because simply I've kind of evolved it over the, the years I've been doing this work. So one can work with one's damaged inner personalities through guided meditation, and also automatic writing, where you call to that injured part, and you invite it to speak through your pen, or your typing if you're using a computer, and you just let that part express through you. And when it's complete, and you're done sort of typing out what they've said, you will then center yourself, and get yourself kind of into your own inner wisdom, and just call in that wise part and have that wise part of you answer to whatever was shared and offer words of love and assurance to that damaged part and start helping it to understand the bigger picture of what was going on at that time. Because of course, <laughs> chances were no one sat down with that six-year-old and said, honey, oh my goodness, let me just explain what's going on, darling. Oh my goodness. So your father had this and that, 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 and your mother's over here, blah, blah. And honey, it's not you. You didn't do it. Like no one did that, right? Very few people got instant therapy when a trauma occurred, right? So, so this is about calling forth that injured part. And after a soul retrieval, I think is very, I think a soul retrieval is a very important piece. And then working with it as if almost like you're like the guardian angel <laughs> to that young one. And, and you're going to help it to not be afraid anymore, help it to trust. And you might do this practice a few times each week or just once a week where it becomes a kind of healing practice. And I, I think this is the most important spiritual practice one can have where you're tending to your own soul. And you're helping the damaged parts of yourself to recover. And then obviously, if you need therapeutic assistance, you look, like I said, for a good healer, a good therapist. So this is where bad trips can actually be doorways into deep healing that will happen on the other side because that experience caused us to seek the help 
that can not only help to process the experience, but also to assist us to address and heal the things that maybe we never wanted to think about ever again, but that stuff festers. And there's been many a bad trip that resulted because it brought up things that we were trying to keep locked away forever. So something I suggest to my clients also is to create an ally to assist that wounded part and then defer to it. And so when I work, I refer to that ally as either the wise woman who knows or the wise man who knows. And so you create in your mind this wise one and create in your mind, sort of senior mind, what that being or, or person looks like how they present themselves, how it feels to have them around. I mean, you're really creating this living being and, and think about what are their principles and what makes them so deeply wise and uh, make sure to give them a good sense of humor also, right? And then you would defer to, to that, that, that part. And so maybe during the day you find yourself kind of triggered or, or you're feeling off and you could ask what, would the wise woman who knows tell me now? Or how would the wise man who knows tell me to handle this? And what you've done in that instance is you've interrupted kind of the same old, same old thought, uh, habitual thought habit. And your mind is over in this other place now in your psyche. And you have this understanding for what this being would say and how this being would advise you. So you're essentially, this, this being represents a, a newfound resource in your own psyche, and you're gonna get a very different answer from that being than you would if you just went sort of down the same old, same old spiral. So I'll just give you that to, to work with on your own because it has been so helpful for people. So I will speak to just one last piece here, and that is that a bad, difficult journey can open us to dark spirits. And sometimes they accompany a person back and stay in their energy field where they then drain the energy or negatively influence that person. So encountering dark spirit energy on a mushroom journey for the average person can be highly disturbing and sometimes harrowing, which is why you would really benefit in having someone with you to help you if God forbid that happens. So if it does happen, you wanna clean your energy field, your auric field, and there are a number of ways to do that. And I'm gonna get more into detail in the second hour with what to do for yourself after a bad trip. Uh, but don't underestimate the power of smudging yourself with sage or copal, you want to smudge yourself, the room, your, your entire house or apartment. There is a reason why traditional medicine people use specific plants and tree resins for clearing and cleansing people and places. And there are competent people out there who can remove spirit attachments if it is particularly volatile, which is thankfully actually quite rare. But I just wanted to mention this because spoken to people who've had this happen as well. So I'm going to finish this 
hour with you and invite you to join me for the second hour over at themushroomsapprentice.com. I think this is a really, really important subject to really d d discuss and, and know about that again, oh my goodness, I mean, the mushrooms changed my life for the better. I have worked with it for, I have worked with it for 12 years now. I consider myself as an apprentice to those spirits. It has been absolutely amazing. At the same time, again, it's not for everyone. It's not a magic pill. Even if you have a really great instructive journey, it can still also be very helpful to discuss that with someone. And then it's also like, okay, now how do I apply this to my life? And we have to respect these substances. People are suffering greatly these days and they're seeking help. And a lot of people are, they're very trusting. Some can be pretty naive and they can be sitting ducks for either practitioners who will not um, care for them in the way that they should, or they're just going to have a really possibly experience a very difficult journey. And, and again, there are repercussions that we really, we really don't want to have people experience. So, so I do so hope that this has been helpful. And again, I invite those who have other suggestions for questions to ask of practitioners or suggestions for keeping you safe on the mushroom, please put them in the comments below. And I thank you so very much for listening. Slancha.